Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Well, Alice, it is such an honor to have this Soul Talk with you. Thank you for being our guest on Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. Our Soul Shepherding community, I know, is going to be richly blessed by this time together, as I was richly blessed by reading your book that's about to be released here, Aging Faithfully, that is published by Nav Press. It is a good read. And so I've been looking forward to having this Soul Talk. Thank you. Thank you. It's a privilege. Thank and you. I, I love that you are serving what you're cooking. You are journeying through, you're living this book right now, and you're clearly writing it out of the overflow of your learnings. That was that made this book different for me because all the other books I've written were after the fact. You know, Bob and I early on wrote a handbook for engaged couples after we've been married for several years. And then I did a book on the Enneagram after I've been teaching workshops. And this is this is really as I go. <laughs> so, well, you yeah. are a wonderful blessing to the kingdom of God. And I'm excited for our Soul Shepherding listeners to hear a little bit of the fruit of your life and ministry. You've written, I believe, 19 books? No, no, no. Okay. Nine books. Nine books. Actually, I added it. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't counted lately, but I think okay. that's my recollection. I don't know where the 19 came from, but that sounds good. Maybe you know something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've appreciated your writings and also you are a spiritual director, which is such a, a key and important ministry to us here as Soul Shepherding. We really need people to companion us on our journeys. We do. And I... I didn't set out to write the book. Um, I mean, I'm always a spiritual director. Once, once a spiritual director, always a spiritual director. But I wasn't thinking of spiritual direction when I wrote the book. And then as I got into it, I realized this is people need to have a companion as they age, every season of life. Yes. So for those who don't have a spiritual director, I'm hoping the book will provide companionship. And for those who are spiritual directors, some are younger, and I'm hoping this may you know, launch them a little bit into how to companion an older person. Well, I believe those hopes have been fulfilled based on my experience with this book and reading it. I so oh, enjoyed it and found it so helpful just to me. I'm 56 years old, so I'm old enough to have started to experience some of the losses and the letting go that begins to come as we age. But I have companioned my great grandma, my grandparents, wow. and now I'm companioning my mom through wow. this aging journey. And my grandma used to say, aging is not for cowards. And now I see why she said that. She <laughs> yeah. was right. Yeah. It, lots of things happen as we age that, well, there's surprises, but also things we wouldn't necessarily choose. And that's, yes. that's a little bit what I wanted. I, did, I didn't know when I started out writing it, what I was doing, but what I was addressing. But <clears throat> I think it is a question, what do we do with the things that we don't like about this? I mean, I figured if I was getting older, then the eight, the season of aging must be something that God had planned for me and for most people. Um, and if it was in God's plan, then I wanted to see how it connected to my spiritual journey. That was, that was a strong motivation. I mean, what's going on inside of me as I get older? 
Um, and it's it's one I'm I'm so happy and delighted to discover all the invitations. And it's I'm I'm a rather melancholic person. So nobody's gonna call me Pollyanna. <laughs> I I really do. Um I'm just so deeply grateful for the wonderful things that have happened spiritually as I've aged. Very, very grateful. Well, I'm so grateful too that you have leaned into this opportunity. It's really important that we don't waste our trials in life. And aging is one of those trials. And I love the way that you have leaned into this to to really let the Lord use it to grow you in his likeness and his character. And then the way that you're sharing that journey in your book and the way that you're inviting us and leading us. I mean, this is a spiritual direction book. You give all kinds of questions and all kinds of exercises to help us to really practice what you're writing about here. And also you've milked the scriptures and you've come up with beautiful illustrations. I'd love to just kind of go through some of these in our conversation with you. Okay, go for it. Nothing I'd rather talk about right now. (laughs) Great. Well, I really loved your imagery of the tree. And you shared about the pear tree outside of your window when your husband Bob was retiring and said that when the that the leaves were holding on a very long time and unusually long time. And he was really relating to that with his retirement. And you said when the leaves finally fell off the tree, the branches were bare and Bob's soul also felt bare. Yeah. We can relate to that. I mean, Bob retired when he was over 70. So he had years of very wonderful ministry and at the time of retirement you don't know what's coming i mean you know we have continued in you know in ministry in our own way but that was a sad those were sad times two or three years that bob was grieving and i didn't like that but i knew he needed to grieve um and I was surprised at the, I guess maybe those losses helped me realize that I had losses in my own life, even though I'm much more of a freelancer as far as my employment. I appreciated the way you contrasted your stories there, that they weren't exactly the same with your experience of this, but that they were, they were different and unique. And, and we do have different and unique experiences, even though we're maybe navigating a similar stage. And it was helpful the way that you shared his and your story in this. I also love that the, you're writing about grief. And one of the things that you did, you illustrated this, is that while we need to go through those five stages of grief that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has identified mm-hmm. for us that have been so helpful, you also showed, and your whole book really is about the sixth stage that her son now has researched and found, and that right. is that in grief, we need to find meaning. And that's what your book does, is it helps us to find the spiritual meaning in the grief that comes with aging. To me, that's just, um, that makes so much sense um, about the God that we follow and that we love, because the creator God must have a purpose for all of this. It'd be different um, with someone, you know, going through a lot of pain and I would never try to talk them out of the pain. I mean, sometimes people will say, you know, well, God wouldn't let this happen if it wasn't good for you. (laughs) And I suppose that that is maybe theologically true, but it may not be the best thing to say to someone who's struggling. (laughs) Yeah, they need empathy, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I also love the imagery that you gave about the wine and talking about yeah, Jesus yeah. at the wedding in Cana and Galilee and 
how in that parable or well in that reality that the guest was so impressed that they'd saved the best wine for the last. And then you say, perhaps Jesus would answer me. I've saved the best for the end of the party. And you said, as we age, God is performing zoomological. Did I say that word right? I don't know, but that'll work. (laughs) Okay. Zoomological act to ferment us into new wine. I thought that was a great analogy. Yeah. And and I, I do. I feel that way. I mean, I, I am happier about this season of life than I am about any of my previous seasons of life. So I do feel like God saved the best wine for me. And the other thing about that that's helpful is that, I, I mean, I don't know very much about wine. <laughs> I'm not, not a connoisseur particularly, but I think fermenting takes a really long time. Yes. And it's, it's silent. It's not necessarily observable until the mm-hmm. end. So that's, that's an encouragement to me. Um, it is an encouragement, very much. Your your whole book was an encouragement. I appreciated you sharing the fruit of your meditation on this and and your experience with us, and then and then the way you invite us into personal meditation. That's also a really key and important value at Soul Shepherding. We invite people to to meditate on Scripture and on God's creation, and to listen and reflect, and to let the Holy Spirit kind of stir in us where his invitation to us is in our trial. And so in your, in your personal meditation, one of them, you had the question, look out the window. If you can see a tree, spend some time noticing the way the tree reflects your experience as you age. If there's not a tree, look for something else that reminds you of the aging process and spend some time talking with God about how you feel about getting older. So I, I was reading your book on the airplane coming back from leading our Social Shepherding Institute in Atlanta. And so there wasn't a tree to see, but I would just imagine <laughs> in my mind's eye. Yeah. And to have a very meaningful meditation there. I, I journaled um, on the, the beverage oh, napkin, my that's response to that question. And it, it, it ministered to me very much. It, it, uh, I, might, I might just share. Are you interested? In oh, I, yeah, I'd love it. That'd be great. Okay. See if I can read my sloppy handwriting on this beverage napkin. It says, my tree has more fruit than ever, and more people are feasting on the shade of it and the fruit, enjoying it and sitting under it to the glory of God. The tree is bigger than it's ever been, but the branches are beginning to sag and the wood is looking old. There are some split branches where some have been pruned off and deep scars where other branches have been pruned off or where disease is afflicted. The roots of my tree are exposed. They're being trampled. There isn't as much room for them to spread. And other younger trees around me are taking more of the resources from the soil. The soil isn't as friendly as it used to be. My branches are not as flexible as they used to be. My tree has looked better in the past, but it's a testament to the history that I have survived harsh storms and difficult conditions, and I'm thriving as I trust the Lord and implanted firmly in him, drawing up from his living water. That's so that was part yeah. of my journal response to that. Yeah, that is wonderful. Really appreciated the opportunities you afford in the book to reflect. Yeah. And as you're saying that, this is a sort of a leap here, but I'm thinking about one time years ago when I was speaking to a, a church board elders or whatever and set aside some time a half an hour for people just to be quiet 
And one of the women, this was all new to her, and she's in the back and she says, well, what are we supposed to do for half an hour? I didn't even bring my book. (laughs) You used your half hour very well, very fruitfully. Well, it does, it does take practice to learn, to be able to listen and to practice solitude and silence. And we need someone often to guide and to teach us in that. That's why I wanted to write the questions. I thought about this woman and I guess I think, you know, well, she had never done this before. So if she were here, these are the, this is what I would suggest she think about. Good, good. I also appreciated your writing on the true self and the false self, because that is such a opportunity in aging is to be able to the death to the false self and that that's painful that doesn't feel good but what has helped you to be able to embrace that and participate with being able to let go of the glittering false self well the false self first of all is false (laughs) it's the it's the person that we think that we should be or sometimes it's the person that we wish we were but it's not necessarily the person that God created us to be. And so we often overplay our gifts. As you say, the glittering images, we overplay our gifts. And then when we get older, well, our false self grows old along with us. I mean, the false self is very deceitful. Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. So My native language was a good 50 or 60 years old by the time I hit this season of life. I was well-versed in that. And um, so I think as we grow older and as our false self grows older with us, one of the things, one of the realities we bump into is that we just can't keep, keep up this facade, this masquerade, because we no longer have the energy or no longer have the opportunities, and people aren't necessarily asking for what we want to give. That's a really tricky thing. So Mm -hmm. people, I mean, what I notice among my friends, and in my own life, um, when there's a lot of resistance to getting older, sometimes it's related to the false self, that, you know, I've always been a leader, so why don't they want me on the elder board? Or why is the elder board doing something so stupid? They really need my advice and they aren't asking for it. And so that just makes it so much more difficult. So for me, it was fairly experimental. I thought, well, I'll just try not to be so responsible all the time. In in my book, I talk about um, I had to learn to live with the discipline of irresponsibility because that was part of my, my false self would say to me, If there's a need, you are responsible to meet it. And if you don't meet it, God will be disappointed in you. So I had to practice a little discipline to say it's okay to lie on the sofa. And I got to where I could lie on the sofa instead of going and helping. Like if my daughter would ask me to come and help and I didn't have enough energy, I'd lie on the sofa. And that was like almost like stage one. But then what was I going to do on the sofa? Um, I was too tired to pray, too tired to meditate. So now I read novels. I mean, and this is like against the rules. In, in my <laughs> but when I do Which that, is why you needed to do it. <laughs> I did. And I kind of, I drop out of this heaviness of responsibility. And then when I get up, I just have more energy to do the things that I think God is really calling me to do. 
that's so important and maybe even more discernment as to what those things are. But you were, it, it strikes me that as you were practicing that discipline of irresponsibility, which I, I love the name of that. And, and it's, you know, sometimes the best spiritual disciplines you don't find on a spiritual disciplines list. Because it was that the Holy Spirit invites you to practice because yeah. you need it. Yeah. And so your practice there was so good of actually laying down because that's what you were doing. You were laying down your false self. Oh yeah. That was very important. Yeah. Yeah. And then choosing not to engage, even if you, you could have made yourself work while you were laying down inside by what you thought about, but you, you distracted yourself even from work or something maybe that you could find as productive. Yes. And for I mean, one of my issues, this is not everyone's issues, but one of my issues is that I, I've never been a high energy person and now I'm a really low energy person. And, but I can do it. I can pull, I mean, I can fake it. I can pull it yeah. off. But when I try to do that, it doesn't come from a place of love. It comes right. from a, the burden of being responsible for the world and for this yes. particular need at this moment. And it doesn't come from a place of love. So I actually find that I can be more loving when I practice the discipline of irresponsibility. So one of the things I say is I, I'm so tempted to spend money that I don't have in the bank, in my emotional and energy bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can do that, but it's not, it's not a good thing. Well, yeah, it's not going to be fruitful. And I love how you talked about the difference between productivity and fruitfulness in your book, because there is a real difference. And that's part of what you're talking about here is we can maybe crank things out in a productive way, but it's not fruit because it's not motivated and born out of love. And it's, it's out of our false self. It's, it's out of our false ourself. self. Yeah. And it's not out of, um, well, it can be out of our ego. That would be the worst extreme, but um, fruit is something that is born within us mm-hmm. it's not something we do and i think i think the invitation as we age is not to try really hard to be more fruitful and less productive i mean that's that's not going to work but it's what we focus on so i can at the end of the day i can focus on maybe a few things that i did um, but if i focus on the fruit of the spirit in my life it's a whole whole different perspective on the day. And really, it, it's very life-giving to focus that, on the fruit. That's so good. You also wrote in your book that buried in our losses are holy invitations. And yes. that, this is what yeah. you're talking about, that you were finding these invitations, these invitations to go to lay down the productivity, the dependence upon false self, and to, to learn to rest and to find within you that place where you could, you actually had it to love and where you were able to notice that, would you say increasing fruitfulness in your life? I think so. You'd have to ask my husband and my children and the people who know me. But for me, there's more joy in it. Um, and then, well, that's a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it, it is very invitational. Years ago in my midlife, I had a cancer scare and ended up with surgery. And at the time I was meeting with someone who was like me, very driven and very active and very responsible. I was meeting with her for spiritual direction and I had had to cancel while I was you know, going through this medical event. 
And then the next time we got back together again, I asked her some question and she said, oh, I wish I had had surgery and could have done what you did. And I understood that, that, you know, there was, there is a part of me that even now, but that I remember when I just think, oh, I would just love to lie on the sofa today. And now God is inviting me to lie on the sofa. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't want to lie on the sofa all day, every day. Right. But I'm grateful for that invitation. Well, and I think it's a really important practice because I think of people that I know that have maybe had a stroke and been bedridden yeah. all of a sudden, unable to do anything. Yeah. And they haven't done any training or any preparation in their soul. Yes. To find themselves in that space, and then what comes out of them is is not loving. And yeah. so I do think that this this training that we do is we we learn to kind of lay down and let go and surrender the false self and trust the Lord more deeply and let Him do His greater work of His Spirit in us. That that it is a training. Our aging can be a training. I, I know. Dallas Willard, who's been a mentor of Bill and I, one of the things that he talked about is that all of our life is a training for ruling and reigning with Christ in eternity. And so I think aging is a part of that. And I think um, what you're saying brings up something that's been sort of a surprise for me with the book. I'm surprised the number of younger people and midlife people are wanting to read the book in order to anticipate what's coming. I mean, you can't really, you can't grieve ahead of time and you, you can't prepare for some of the losses theoretically, but all of our life we are preparing. And I'm hoping, I mean, I talked with someone the other day who just had his 35th birthday and he said, is it normal for someone as young as me to want to read your book? (laughs) Of course I said, no, that's wonderful. Just it, we have to, we, we do, we are trained and we are, we do practice the disciplines, but there's also the piece of noticing how God, how God works in our life. So there's some things that I noticed in my twenties and thirties, but I ignored um, because I thought, well, that's not what I'm supposed to be thinking or feeling or doing. And so as we get older, I'm noticing the same things over and over and over again. I mean, I think the Holy Spirit repeats himself a lot. So I think, okay, I've heard this before. So now I'm old enough to listen. And that's that's, that's a big difference. That's great. And God is so gracious, isn't he, that he doesn't stop speaking when we haven't heard it the first time. And most of us hear the same. I mean, we have our own little sets of things. Thank goodness we don't yes. have to learn new things every season of life. We have our <laughs> own, own little things, you know. It's like with children. We tell some of our children some things and some of our children other things. Right. We're not all the same. Yes, the Holy Spirit's a wonderful personal spiritual director for each of us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. guides us uniquely. Bill and I have written a book called Journey of the Soul about the different stages of emotional and spiritual growth. And so our listeners are familiar with these stages. We call them the Christ stages. And the last stage, which is transforming union, the T in the word Christ, is where we have gotten that great intimacy with the Lord through our journey with him so deeply. But it's not the end of our journey. Even though it's the last stage, we're still journeying. And often we found the Holy Spirit brings us touching back to some of the earlier stages. Yes. And yeah. some of those same themes come up because there's a still a deeper work for him to do yes. there. 
And also, as we have traveled through these stages of spiritual and emotional growth, we're able to then be trail guides for spiritual directors to other pilgrims on the journey along the way, because we have an understanding of the different seasons and stages and what what God's doing uniquely in those and how we can cooperate with his spirit or how we cannot and hold on to our control and our our free choice and will and our false self and you know shut down some of those opportunities of growth because we're afraid or because we don't we don't want to enter into the pain and the letting go so it it is good to know that um the spirit continues even saying the same things i mean that's one of the things that has surprised really surprised me because i grew up as a Christian and as a young Christian leader, very engaged in Bible study and lots of Bible study mm-hmm. and reading books of the Bible, reading commentaries on the Bible. And now I'm a, a one verse a day person. I mean, and a lot of times the verses that come to mind, I remember them in King James English. So I think, okay, this came from when I was in high school. And if, if God is still reminding me about this truth, then I, I do want to listen. And the word of God is just alive and active all our life long. And that, that's encouraging to me. And I don't know that every older person would do just one verse a day. I mean, I'm, sometimes it's one verse a week, actually. Um, can I tell you my verse from this week? <laughs> Please do. I'd love to hear it. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just loving it. I wrote it down. Let me see if I can catch it here. Um, it's from... The parable that Jesus um, told, he said, God's kingdom is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows, but he has no idea how it happens. That's a translation from the message, which is the translation I like a lot. And I read that and I thought that was that was so important to me when I first read it as a young person, because it it gave me the the invitation, I wouldn't have used that term at the time, but the invitation was to not go out and fuss. I mean, I, I would scatter the seeds in whatever way I thought was appropriate, and then I'd worry about them, and I'd fuss, and, and I'd feel guilty if the seed didn't sprout the way I wanted it to sprout. So that was important to me as a young person, and now as an older person, I have a problem with insomnia. So this parable is saying, you scatter the seeds and then you go to bed. And I think, okay, that's going to work for me. And then the seed sprouts. You forget about it. And that works for me too, because that's another thing that goes as we get older, our memories. But then the seed sprouts and we don't know how it happens. And I, that's so true of this season of life for me. There is fruit and I don't know how it happens because I for sure am not doing the things that I used to do to make the fruit come. So that's that's a great invitation for me. Oh, it is. And for all of us, thank you for sharing that, Alice. So appreciate you sharing the fruit of your meditation with us. I love that. You also mentioned in your book how it takes courage for us to admit our losses and our fears and how you found that actually sharing our lives and our concerns with others are an important way to really embrace them and process them and kind of accept what God wants to give us. Yes, one one of the words... Um, that I, I must have used it in the book. I guess I did, but I people have asked about the vulnerability as we get older, mm-hmm. and vulnerability is not a compliment in our culture. 
So I started looking yeah. a little bit more about, okay, so what does this word really mean? And it could be very weak and nervous about something bad happening, but it also means authentic and allowing people to see our fragility. And that's something that that's really important to me to allow people to know when I'm done for the day, you know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon and I am done for the day. And that's sort of embarrassing. Like you want me to go out tonight? And, but there's a vulnerability in that for me, because I know if I do, if I overextend that, then I either pay for it the next day or I do something, you know, I, I'm not loving in the evening or whatever it is. So learning to be vulnerable is one way, or learning to let other people see that we are vulnerable is one well, way I, to receive their encouragement and love. Yeah, well, I've appreciated you've been very vulnerable and authentic in your writing in this book. And it's, it's a great gift to us because we, we learn from that. Um, Frank LeBox said, we seldom do anybody much good except that we share the deepest inner workings of our soul and yeah so I appreciate that doing that and yet it doesn't feel good it feels risky it it, we get embarrassed to do that and it seems like you've grown in your confidence and your ability to love your neighbor as yourself to actually acknowledge that you have needs and what yourself needs and to be willing and courageous enough to be vulnerable and honest with that not worry about disappointing them or trying to please them yeah no i I, I'm committed to that. And then I'm still um, surprised. So just recently, um, this summer, I got hearing aids. And that feels very vulnerable to me. Yes. I mean, and I, I don't like them. And I wouldn't have gotten them except my husband and my granddaughter said I needed them. And so I got hearing aids. And I thought, okay, so now I'm really old. And oh. I didn't want people to know. So thanks goodness right. I have hair. You can't see it. <laughs> if I were a man, I, it might be harder to be vulnerable. Um, yeah. But there, most people who know I got hearing aids say, oh, I wish my mother would, or I wish my grandfather would, or something like that. But that's a very vi- um, visible, well, not visible, but I wanted to say visceral, but it's a, it, I didn't like that. And I thought, no, I just wrote no. this book. What's wrong with me that I <laughs> I can't accept this piece of getting older? Mm. Um, so well, it seems like there that. is often, we think we've accepted it all and then there's a new opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. So you had a new loss to grieve there yeah. and a new trial to, that you're leaning into. But of course, your flesh is going to raise up there and, and protest. And my, my false self is... Yelling at me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yet I can recognize what a loving, loving act this was for those in your life. And and even for our listeners today, you maybe you can hear hear me better, even. And yes, that's probably that's a, true. Yeah. That's a great, great yeah. gift of love. You one of my favorite quotes in your book, you said wholeness does not mean perfection. It means embracing yeah. brokenness as an integral part of life. The sooner we understand this, the better. It's a truth that can set us free to live well, love well, and then die well. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about, that that vulnerability. Yeah. Perfection, um, I think the root meaning of that word is complete, which is, I mean, that's a beautiful description of the Mm -hmm. season of aging. So Mm -hmm. our lives become complete, not perfect, and not everybody's completion is different you know yes. we're all fulfilling what 
God's creative purpose was for us. Yeah, that, that gives us peace as well as we, yes. we know that. And Second yeah. Peter 1.11, the kingdom gates open wide to you as God choreographed your triumphant entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what you were just talking about, is that individual yeah. way that the Lord leads for us. One of the other things that you wrote in here that kind of was a, a great point, you talked about how Jesus didn't hesitate to talk about his own death. Yes. And yet in our culture, we do. I know. We'll talk about sin and sex and all kinds of things before we'll talk about death. And that is one thing I have wondered and people have asked as they've read the book, how they can be a companion to someone who is older, whether they're, you know, whether death is imminent or not. And I think we can gently invite them to talk about death if they want to. I mean, if they yes. don't want to, then drop it like a hot potato. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do as spiritual directors. We we bring up something that might be talk discussable, but if it's not, then we let it go until it, they're ready. Um, but I do think being able to talk about death and what our desires are in our last days, um, what we're afraid of, it it helps us carry those fears better. Very much. I know it helps me just in grieving the losses I've already started to experience as I'm, you know, letting, letting go of some of the youth that I have enjoyed. It helps me to talk about it as I grieve yes. that, to be able yeah. to process that with somebody who can listen to me with empathy, who can validate my emotions and can you know, just be present with me and mere God's presence to me in that. And one of the things for me that I, I'm mourning is that I can no longer run. And that's a loss right. to me. I miss that. Mm -hmm. I'm sad about that. And I see people running and my husband's a marathon runner and he can still run. And I struggle with envying him sometimes yes. and his ability yeah. to continue to run. And and so it is, and you know, now I have little grandchildren that need me to run after them. And so it's, it is, it's, it's a mourning, it's a grief, it's a letting go, it's a loss. And I find talking about it and grieving it is important part of me being able to let go and get to that place of peace and contentment and gratitude that I can still walk. Right. And sometimes when we talk about it, we can laugh about it too. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned in the book, going to the local gym after I figured out how to work the machines. <laughs> so I'm in there in the gym on the, um, you know, the bike biking. And there was a young woman ahead of me on the treadmill. You know, she was thin, good looking, cute. And she was probably 50 years younger than me. And, you know, I just biked away and I thought, who does she think she is? Looking so cute. <laughs> And why can't yeah. I look like that? And I thought, 50 years older. I mean, I had to have yeah. been 50 years older. And yeah. I thought, what's wrong with this? Why? And I could laugh at myself. Good. We don't laugh at all of our grief. But really, you're, you're a lovely person, whether you run or not. And you may be sad that you can't. But you're still, in essence, all that God made you to be. And I, that's, there's something, there's something humorous about our rejecting that. Um, yes. Or, or resisting it. Yes, there is. I appreciate you bringing that out. And it does help us to have a sense of humor in the midst of loss and grief and aging. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you also 
wrote that I so appreciate just you naming this. And I'm just going to read this from page 118. There are so many things we do not know as we age. We do not know when we will die. We do not know why God allowed us to lose so much that is important to us. We do not know if we can live out a life that has been given to us. Some days, all we know is that God is God. God created us. God loves us. The Lord Almighty is with us. We accept peace when we are still and silent enough to remember that. That is connecting with one of my verses in recent days. Um, Just in terms of prayer, well, you you can't pray away the losses of aging, for sure. And there's so many other things we pray about where we don't sense that there's an answer to prayer. And I find as I get older, I'm less and less inclined to make give God a lot of suggestions about how he could handle this problem. And I was <laughs> feeling stress about unanswered prayer recently. And I thought about Ezekiel when in his vision and God said at the, the bones, the, the valley of bones, dead bones. And God said to him, Oh, son of man, can these bones rise up again? And Ezekiel's answer was, Oh Lord, you know. And I thought, that's my prayer in this situation that I was praying about that day. And as I think about where am I going to be next year as an old person, a year from now, you know, what if I have a disease or, you know, something bad happens and that's my prayer. Oh Lord, you know. So good. Such a a great prayer as the ancients call of abandonment, abandonment to God's divine providence. And abandonment to God as Das Willer wrote about and it's been such an important practice and learning because we want we want to be in control and well, we think if we know we'll be in control right it's quite the opposite <laughs> yes yes yeah. so beautiful well Alice I have so enjoyed this opportunity just to have this soul talk with you today I so appreciate you leaving these footsteps of faith for us and your legacy and writing and sharing from your heart and your experience all these years companioning people and spiritual direction. And I would just like to request, would you be willing to pray now for our listeners as we end our conversation today? I would love to pray. And could I pray with one of my other favorite passages? Yes, please. Along the line of listening to God rather than giving God a lot of suggestions. Mm, Yeah. Let me just pray from Jesus' words to the disciples. Jesus said, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Gracious God, we say yes and thank you as we respond to Jesus' words here. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Alice. Well, thank you and bless you. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.